We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jessica, and this is Tebake Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And for this episode, this season finale episode, I am joined by Robin from K Drama Playbook on Instagram. How are you, Robin? I'm doing pretty good. Excited to chat, Moon Lovers. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. I asked you on for this episode all the way back in February. It's been many months since I asked you on. And I just love your content on Instagram. I love your takes. I love your reviews. And I asked you to come on to review Scarlet Heart Rio Moon Lovers. And you were like trying to downplay. You were like, I don't think I'm the right person to like (laughs) come on and do this show with you. You said, and this is your quote, I would probably crack a lot of puppet and assassin jokes. And I was like, you're hired. (laughs) I was like, you definitely have to come on. For sure, you're the perfect person to talk about Moon Lovers with. So uh, the time has finally come. We are way late in the year, way far from February, but we're finally doing this. Why Moon Lovers? I will tell you guys. So (laughs) I was there in 2016 when Moon Lovers first aired and I watched it as it was airing on Drama Fever. And Mm -hmm. since then, the show has kind of taken on a life of its own. It's become extremely popular overseas. People sort of talk about it with reverential tones and they consider it one of the best K-dramas of all time. And I was shocked that <laughs> people felt this way about the show. It's completely Is that a quote shocked. that you've heard? <laughs> I've heard, yes. People have said, oh, this one was like the best K-drama, my first K-drama, whatever. And I was like, did we watch the same show? <laughs> and so um, other than that, I wanted to uh, also just do the show because people had requested that we do this show. So I was like, okay, cool. I need to return to the show at some point, rewatch it. It's been many years. And what am I, did I, I maybe I remembered it wrong. And I was like, no, let me just rewatch it fresh eyes and review it. So that's why we're here and we're going to talk Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart, Rio. But before we do, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes such a long way for listeners just like you to find us. And come check us out on social media to stay up to date on everything that I'm doing, the latest reviews, content, videos, everything. You can find us on X, formerly Twitter, um, (laughs) Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Tebak Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, 
the best way to be a fan is to become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you get a bunch of extra content. You get a small community of people who are watching movies and K-dramas just like you. And you can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And I do want to shout out our patrons. Here we go. Curtis, Bale, Cindy, CD, Alana, Grace, Lorna, Lee, Sammy, Caitlin, Kiana, Michelle, and Tan Mayi, new patron. Hey, Tan. Okay. So thank you guys so much for being patrons. And we're going to get started on this. Are you ready, Robin? I am. I have never been more ready in my life. Oh, shit. Okay. So, <laughs> I, okay. Uh, the My Drama List synopsis for this show. I can't believe we're doing this. Okay. When a total eclipse of the sun takes place, Gohaden is transported back in time to the start of Ko- the Koreo dynasty in- of Korea during King Taejo's rule. She wakes up in the body of the 16-year-old Hesu and finds herself living in the house of the 8th prince, Wangwook, who is married to Hesu's cousin. She soon befriends several of the princes and meets the ostracized 4th prince, Wangso. Although knowing she should not get involved in palace intrigues over the succession to the throne, she in- <laughs> sorry, she in- inadvertently becomes a pawn in the struggle as several of the princes fall in love with several of the princes just fall in love with her. Yeah, so this show aired from August to November 2016. So happy birthday, Moon Lovers. We are recording this in the month of August, just the very tail end of August 2023. It is adapted from the novel Bubu Jingxin from Tonghua. It's a Chinese novel, and it's based on the sea drama Scarlet Heart from 2011, which I watched two episodes of, and you watched several episodes of as well, if I'm not mistaken, Robin. We will just circle back on that. (laughs) And then Scarlet Heart Rio is 20 episodes long. It is directed by Kim Kyu-tae. Kim Kyu-tae is a male director, and he's directed things like Worlds Within from t- 2008, Iris from 09, Padam Padam, That Winter the Wind Blows, It's All Right, This Is Love, which I personally love, Our Blues from 2022, which made waves. And uh, how have you seen some of his work, Robin? Not a lot. Um, I, I also agree with you. I let's love. Um, I did watch half of our blues, but gave it up because I, f- I know this is sacrilege, but I found it so heavy <laughs> and just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to really commit to it. Okay. Fair, fair. The Scarlet Heart Rio was written by Jo Yoon Jong. Oh, I'm getting tongue tied. Jo Yoon Young, and they wrote Cinderella Man and the Killing Vote, among other things. Not very much on their resume. And then, of course, we got our cast, which is extensive. There is no way that I can mention every single person that's in this show, so I'm going to keep it to the top three billing, I would say. And so we have Lee Ji-yoon, a.k.a. IU, the fairy princess herself, as Hesu. You might have seen her in Hotel Del Luna, My Mister, The Producers, Dream High, uh, the movie Broker, which I really loved, and we have episodes on Dream High and My Mister. If you want to scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to those. IU, have you seen a lot of IU shows, Robin? Uh, I've seen The Producers, which I loved. And I thought she was quite good in it. Um, I also saw Broker and thought she was stellar. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. I think she's a great actress. That iconic role, I guess, that she's most known for is the Hotel Del Luna one, which she was quite good. 
Yeah. Yeah. I dropped Hotel Dolan after two episodes. But that's a different story. Um, <laughs> Lee Jung-gi plays Wang So, the fourth prince. And he's been in a bunch of shows. My Girl from O5, Il Jime, Arang and the Magistrate, A Scholar Who Walks the Night, which I think he was like a vampire in that. Criminal Minds, Lawless Lawyer, Flower of Evil, which we've covered on the podcast. And again, My Life from 2022. He, I believe, will star in the s- second season of um Arthdal Chronicles which is one of the worst K-dramas I've ever seen in my life. So good luck to Ijungi. <laughs> what have you seen Ijungi in? I actually have seen him in nothing other what? than this. For real? And my girl. And the and that is because like I felt like the haircut that he had in my girl was such a low point in my life. I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to watch him in another drama again. Like, it still haunts me. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to, like, freak. But <laughs> the hairstyle that he has in My Girl, he plays the second male lead in My Girl. It's pretty, pretty obnoxious. And it's wild. It's doesn't it didn't age well at all okay wow so that's sort of soured every single project after wow oh my god what a take wow okay fair fair it's it's haunting it it's pretty haunting so to round out the cast that i will specifically talk about uh kang hanno plays wang wook the eighth prince and he's been in shows like to the beautiful you the heirs when the Camellia Blooms, he's been in movies like 20, Empire of Lust, and Midnight Runners. I really like Kang Hanul. I think he's a great actor. Um, what have you seen him in? Lots of stuff. Uh, yeah, I really, really liked him in 20. That's probably where I really sort of noticed him. I really liked him in Like for Likes. I think he's really versatile. He's quite funny. Like, he can play something mm-hmm. like the Pirates, but then he's also kind of, he'd be kind of scary and like intense, I guess, in, in sort of other things. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of his. I think Empire of <laughs> Empire of Lust from 2015 is a movie. And this was the movie that I thought, oh, he's like the devil because he played a rapist husband in a Chosun uh. Dynasty period piece. And I was so frightening to see him because it was like, it was completely believable. It wasn't like, oh, it's Kangano. Like it's no i was actually scared of him and i was like is this the same guy from you know xyz and midnight runners and 20 he's he's so endearing in a lot of stuff and really funny and charismatic and then in this movie i was like i I was shook you know what i'm saying so kangano very versatile i agree completely and that is the end of the specific cast members that I'm going to talk about. This is extensive. You have Nam Joo Hyuk, Baekhyun, Jisoo, who's since been canceled, Kang Hana. So many cast members, not to mention the veteran actors who are in this show as well, like Kim Sung Kyun, who's Reply 1988. People remember him from there and so many more. So, or I'm... (laughs) I'm so excited, but like, what did you think of Scarlet Heart Rio? I mean... I watched this at a time like like I watched it like you. I watched it live, like when it was dropping, like week yeah. after week. I tuned in, like a sucker, <laughs> just <laughs> hoping it would get better as the weeks went on. 
oh. being repeatedly yeah. being repeatedly like sort of derailed. Um, it, it it came out at a really important time, right? Like there were so many things that came out at that time. Cinderella mm-hmm. and the Four Knights was coming out then. Shopping King, uh, Jealousy Incarnate with Jojen Suk, like. All of these shows were out at the same time. And then obviously its main main competition was Moonlight Drawn from the Cloud. So like it was a time when it, like there was just so much good content out. Yeah. And then this was just, you know, there <laughs> amongst <laughs> all of those really good shows and those really great performances. And, uh, uh, you know, I like you kind of was like, this is a fun joke watch to you know, like lighten the mood after a long week and, you know, poke some fun um, at some of these sort of performances. Like it wasn't until much later, like you, that I realized, oh, like people are into this and really taking it like seriously as like sort of some <laughs> Korean withering heights like, take right. on romance, you know? And so I, I was sort of taken aback that I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe I got it wrong but then I realized that I I I, I didn't on the second watch <laughs> although I probably would say that because I've been watching that um it's probably not as bad as I may have thought it was in the midst of all those really good dramas I yes I agree with you I watched this on drama fever back in the day and I watched it as it was airing and I thought this is sort of stupid like it was um I don't think it was a joke watch for me but I was like this doesn't make sense like the math isn't mathing for a lot of stuff and I've said this before on the podcast I'm a plot person I don't care how many beautiful people you have in a show or like anything to that effect if the plot isn't working for me I think it's gonna I think the move the whole thing sucks you know and I was like on the verge of that in 2016 where I was like this I don't understand like how is she fitting in so well in this era in the late 900s we're talking about here the year and she's from the 21st century and she seems to be doing just absolutely fine like fit in very well with the time period knew how to make soaps and cosmetics from scratch like I was like this is dumb as shit like this is the kind of stuff that like I can't get behind it because it is just so ridiculous I guess and I love time travel stories I love sagooks and historicals as well I am not opposed to that I think that I wasn't how do I put this I wasn't a fan of the lonely damaged hero which is a trope, mm-hmm. right? Like you have this hero that he's got emotional scars and is has abandonment issues and has mommy issues and daddy issues and the female lead swoops in and just understands him. <laughs> and <laughs> they fall for this really problematic dude, the lonely damaged hero. And like in the process of watching this as it was airing, I was like, this is strange as well because they didn't have just one male lead. They had two. Like, the show can be split into two. And it feels like two different shows, truly. Exactly, exactly. Um, The plot and the characters, I thought, were just increasingly unhinged. And because the show takes such a left turn, I remember feeling 
whiplash. Like I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? Because it was very light and fluffy. A lot of forced comedy. IU is singing. Like, well, this, this is not a huge deal, right? Then all of a sudden there's a left turn, a hard left turn in the plot. And things start getting very serious. And the tone changes for the show. And people start like starting to act, right? Like they got the memo or something. They're like, you need to turn up because this isn't working. Like, and it just felt really uneven. And I was stunned. I remember feeling stunned, especially with the ending. That people mm-hmm. were, I, I think the, in the consciousness people understand that moon lovers is a devastating show and doesn't have a happy ending however in the moment i was like i just want to forget this ever happened i was like this is so odd and i was still reeling from the tonal shift and everything everyone in it is famous now literally everyone in it has a big career starting from now like from 2016 onwards their trajectory has only gotten better and it's like the origin story for so many actors Mm -hmm. some fantastic musical cues ground the story the ost is just one of the most iconic and recognizable in k-drama period i i believe that and then the actual plot and the actual making of it was just so absurd it's a great formula of actually well done and so unbelievable that you have to just keep watching yeah i mean (laughs) so to to me it was like kind of like a titanic of k-dramas right like it was like like they believed i really do believe that somebody whether it be the director or like the, the the production company or what have you really believed it was some sort of unsinkable ship like they had mm. all of these like very sort of handsome sort of junior actors sort of cast in it. They had Lee Jung Gi, who was quite famous at the time. Uh, IU obviously like sort of holding down the central sort of main of the of the drama. And I think they just thought they couldn't fail. Mm. And they pre-recorded it, which was really unusual yeah. at the time. Uh, I think really only that year, I think only Descendants of the Sun had done it before. You know, with a mm-hmm. you know, with a much more dependable writer and director uh, duo um, than this one, <laughs> to be honest. And <laughs> you know, like I think, like they just really thought they couldn't fail, and then, but just didn't see anything that happened coming, right? Which is to be really put up against Moonlight Drawn from the Clouds, right? Which launched Park mm-hmm. Bogum's career and so many other people's career mm-hmm. as well, and cast a lot of junior actors who to be honest, gave a lot better performance, right? So I think there's, like, a bit of hubris within the way in which this plot sort of plays out. Ooh. And that, like, like I don't really know that... Sometimes there are moments where you're like, were they even trying? <laughs> uh, I feel you. Like, I feel you. I think we're on the same wavelength. Just the show... I guess, do you feel the show was good? Is, like, the I bottom think- line I'm sure people want to know... Did, I mean, is it good for you? I mean, there are other, I, I, I watched it, you know, I finished it and I finished it twice now, uh, which is more than I can say for a lot of shows, but it's not much to say. <laughs> like, it's not like a sort of a ringing endorsement. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I like, you know, recommend it, you know, 10 out of a 10. 
to a right. friend, you know? Uh, but I mean, like you said, I think that there are really sort of magical moments in it too. Like there are some really like insane detail in the show that are really quite well done. Um, mm-hmm. And it's almost like I wish that those little details that like obviously a lot of time and care went into sort of developing and thinking about if they had just been like sort of tied together with like a much stronger cast and like better writer um <laughs> you know I'm nodding my head that, yeah I'm following yeah. you I like, think that yeah I agree with you I agree because the cast on paper is really good, but they're largely untested in 2016. Like Nam yeah. Joo Hyuk hadn't done Weightlifting Fairy yet. That comes out the next couple of months after this show finishes airing. So like when people were watching this, they were not, they had, they didn't have Weightlifting Fairy. They didn't have obviously 2521. They didn't have The Bride of Habeck, which is a travesty of a show. But, you know, that's just one actor. All the rest, Baekhyun, from EXO, he had never acted before. This was his no. first acting credit and only acting credit. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> of course, he'd never fucking acted before. <laughs> um, a lot of these people just were untested and the source material is quite dense, I would feel. I, w- I would feel safe saying like the source material is pretty dense. It comes from... If they followed very closely the broad strokes of the C drama Scarlet Heart and the C drama's 35 episodes. So they condensed that into 20 episodes. And I think I felt it. I think I felt mm-hmm. like the unevenness and the the way that they tried to expand some portions and then close the gap on other portions. And it felt like the pacing was weird. And again, you're not given a very calm, even tone throughout. You are given that sort of slapstick Korean drama comedy style in the front half of the show, which lulls you into a false sense of of calm and confidence that the show is going to continue on this trajectory. And when it doesn't, when it takes that hard left turn and there's a bloodbath and things start going really wrong... I think people were surprised. I think the audience is still, the collective, the zeitgeist is still traumatized by the latter half of this show and the ending especially. And does that make a good show? I don't, I don't think so. Well, I think it depends, right? Like, I mean, I think that there are a lot of seigoots that have, that have that sort of three act format where like the beginning is much lighter and then the middle is where like, then it sort of like, I don't think that's, totally off base but there like you said there's a consistency right like there is and like you like there are really interesting aspects of this the time slip the fish out of water story the reverse harem you know like all of these sort of tropes are really recognizable and kind of fun but like you know and not to i know that we're not talking about spoilers but like what i guess my question would be which you probably already have an answer for <laughs> is like what happens to a character when all of its when all of the good plot points are sort of taken away by like episode 11 right yeah a lot of some not a lot i would say a few characters feel completely superfluous and unnecessary to the story 
after episode 10 or 11 when that big turn happens. And what am I, that's, I feel like they didn't account for that in the writing, right? Because you never want a character to feel useless or like, what are they even doing here? What's their purpose? What's their arc? A lot of characters didn't have an arc necessarily. And um, it's more like a flat line. I find I find I find issue with that. You have a large ensemble cast and you're not giving jobs to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I think Lee Joon-ki is like, I, as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of him at all, like he is someone I actually literally don't understand in a lot of ways. Um, he is fair. Like, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that move like that miniseries that American miniseries was like released in the 80s? I don't think so. So it's like how like aliens come to sort of Earth and like they like under the auspices they want to share technology and stuff with like human beings but spoiler alert they just want to enslave them and eventually eat them and like under oh that's like a twilight zone episode yeah uh it it is pretty messed up but like under their synthetics like they look like us like human beings but like under their synthetic skin they they look like lizards and that's the (laughs) vibe i get from lee chunky right is that you think lee chunky is a reptilian (laughs) I feel like he's like a synthetic skinned lizard man. You think he's an I, alien? Yeah, kind of. I just, he's just, he's like otherworldly. But as much as like, I feel like wildly unattracted to him in any okay. way. Okay. <laughs> I I, I'm following, I'm following that, you. I do feel like I have to give him his flowers because he is working overtime in this drama to hold it together at all ho- at all costs. And he's almost doing it. <laughs> Just not quite. <laughs> I think that you're right. The acting rests solely on him and IU and uh, to a certain extent, Kang Han-nil. Kang Han-nil gets sidelined the last mm-hmm. like 10 episodes or so. So I, he's taken off the playing board as far as the demands of his performance, right? But Izungi and Ayu are front and center for the large, for the largest part of the show, and they're carrying the show on their shoulders. And what's funny is that the people, like the audience and the critics, had mixed thoughts about all of the performances after the premiere, and they thought that. The adaptation, the soundtrack, photography, Ijungi's acting were all good. They were all praised. But then Baekhyun caught caught stray bullets. His performance received criticism. And then Ijeon, which is Ayu, her performance also received mixed reviews. Some critics thought that she was doing a good job seeing the nature of Moon Lovers, where the mood changes at every scene, which is a direct quote. Mm -hmm. While others believed that the director was at fault and that his trademark close-ups revealed her lack of emotion, <laughs> which what a thing to say, right? That the way that she was shot was re- just sort of shining a spotlight on how lacking she was as an actress. And mm-hmm. I think I'm somewhere in between, right? I don't think she was terrible. I thought she was really good. Was it the best that I've seen of IU? Probably not. But... I really thought that she wasn't the weakest link 
And Lee Jung-gi also wasn't the weakest link in the show. And we all, I think the fans of Lee Jung-gi and the people who have seen some some of his performances, they think he's a great actor. And I do too. I think he's a he's pretty great. In this show, maybe he's just given too much to do. And his character is a little ridiculous. So it's 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 hard because I want to like the show, but I can't. <laughs> is how I'd put it. Because I, I, yeah, I just want to like it. And there were so many scenes, like you said, that were built right and they landed. And I loved some of those scenes. And we can get to those in the spoiler section. But on the whole, I was like, this isn't drawing me in. I'm just kind of going with the flow and it's not a binge for me and I never recommend Moon Lovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that um Yeah, I mean I think that you're spot on. I think that like the first few episodes are actually pretty romantic. You know, I think that that uh there is that sort of romance that are sort of drawing through especially between IU right? Mm -hmm. And I like that he's supposed to be this virtuous prince, and he really isn't that much at all. He's kind of a little little dirtbag. Yeah, we'll get into that in the spoiler section too, right? (laughs) Oh, sorry. But um, I do think that um, I agree with you. I think that Ayu is a little bit um, she's a bit uneven. She's she's not that bad, but she's not that good. Uh, Right. She's fine. She's just fine. And um, the series ended up not doing very well in Korea. It averaged 7.6 ratings on Nielsen and 7.3 for TNMS. It was considered a failure for its performance below expectations, but it was a really good export. It did well in Malaysia, China, Taiwan, Singapore, and of course on Drama Fever, which made it available in North and South America, it recorded more than 2 million views within the mid-series. So that just goes to show how much that the Koreans were like washing their hands of the show. And it's supposed to be their history, right? Like this is based on like a, a real king that existed in history. And like the Koreans were like, this isn't that great. And they saw the flaws in it. And for some reason it hit overseas. For mm-hmm. some reason, people were really backing it in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, According to Lee Wung from Yonhap News, the first part of the drama highlighted the love triangle of the main characters, while almost all conflicts stemmed from Queen Yu's pathological love for Wang Yeo and her evil acts to make him king, thus making the entire drama too fragile. There were also doubts about the plausibility of the developments, such as the historical knowledge of the female lead, and that Wang So's scar could be covered with makeup. And I completely, 100% agree with that take from Iwung, who is a critic from Yonhap News. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can get into that, I guess, a little more in the spoiler section as well. The, I I don't want to talk about the ending. Um, Did you have anything else to add before we just, I think we should just jump into spoilers. No? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. What would you rate this show out of fives hold you bottles? Mm. I mean, it's not unwatchable. I would finish. Like I like I said, I finished it twice. And there are some like, you know, there are some positive there's I'd give it maybe Same. Same. I was thinking when I because I had this old blog review up and I was like, I don't know, do I still feel this way? I still largely feel that way. And 
I would just give it a three out, three out of five soju bottles. So wow, we're really on the same page about this. And we'll get into all the spoilers on Moon Lovers right after this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey! You wanna come in? All right, we're on the other side of spoilers for Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart Rio. And I think we want to start off by comparing a little bit the show against the sea drama because we both watched a little bit of the sea drama, Scarlet Heart from 2011. And I found immediately that it was better than Scarlet Heart Rio. How did you feel having watched a few episodes of Scarlet Heart from 2011? Yeah, I basically made it to like the end of episode five. Uh, So I thought it was a lot better, Um, even though it was like sort of older and the production was a little bit lagging. Like the the characters were a lot better drawn, including the main character. Um, The relationships that she had formed with the princes were much more vibrant and dynamic and like actually allowed her to have a personality. Yeah. As opposed to just being like a very, very, obviously IU has a very beautiful face and is a, is a very like lovely, just aura about her. Um, but there's something, there's something a little bit more, I guess, to um, the actress in, in the Chinese drama still plays the lead. I agree. I think she that ended the, up. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. She ended up marrying that guy. The fourth prince. What? Like they're still married. What? Yeah. <laughs> that oh actor, my God. Yuki Wu. He's, he's a, he was a famous Taiwanese actor, and they like met on that set, and they're still married. I'm in shock. I'm in shock. Oh yeah. my God. So, wow. What is life? So, yeah, I had started watching the C drama Scarlet Heart, intending to watch the whole thing as like extra credit for this for this recording. And, oh my gosh, immediately I was like, this is better storytelling. This is way more cohesive. I love the female lead. I love what's supposed to be IU's character way better than IU. And she just had a lot of spunk to her. You you saw this extended scene of her fighting with her boyfriend who essentially just cheated on her and she caught him cheating. And this is all in the present day. She goes into the street in the middle of this big fight and um, she gets electrocuted and gets run over by a car. And it's like this whole thing. And she basically tumbles because of the electrocution and she tumbles into the past. And she has she she figures out right in pretty pretty in episode one, I think she figures out that she's landed she went through a wormhole in time and has her consciousness has landed in her, a body of a reincarnated version of herself or a past version of herself. And she's already thinking like, how do I get back to the present? IU doesn't really 
ha- like attempt to get back into the present day. She's just like, okay, I guess I'm here now. I guess I've died. Like she just assumes that she's died. But at least the girl in the sea drama, the female lead in the sea drama was like experimenting. She was like, where did I, what was my near death experience? And she like went back to the scene of the crime and was like, maybe I should throw myself down these stairs again. Like it's either I die to live or I just die. And like, that's that because my, I guess I've died in the, in the present day as well. And I was like, she's so smart. And she had these moments that I was looking for from IU where she's a fish out of water. They're dressing, they have these scenes of them like dressing her in the sea drama. And it's all these layers. And she's like, how many more layers are left? And she's like complaining about her wardrobe, which is like a historically accurate wardrobe. And she's suffering in the heat. And she's like, oh my God, like she can't handle it. IU barely has fish out of water moments in the past right this koreo dynasty which is um like the first iteration of korea basically and i'm like i want that i want where she's struggling in the past i want those scenes where like the wardrobe is restrictive or she can't get around or like she she doesn't have issues and that's a big problem for me because you're just sending someone from 2016 back into the year 923 and not she's fine i'm like where's the the struggle you know so i don't know if you felt that kind of way and had any other things that you liked in the c drama versus the k drama yeah i mean i think that i really i really liked that she related to the princes in a much in a much different way, right? Like she relates to one of them through political ideas. She relates one of them sort of more emotionally. She relates to the eighth prince who's, you know, like I said, you know, supposed to be sort of this virtuous fellow and everybody sort of looks up to him. But in both of them, he's actually, he's he's kind of a dirtbag. And, <laughs> and I feel like, but the thing that I really liked about the sea drama version is that she... It's, it automatically starts with this mystery, right? Because yeah. when she wakes up, she sees somebody at the top of the stairs who's probably pushed her. Yes. And so there is this sort of glimpse into the future right as she comes into the past, which I thought was actually quite time and a clever way of introducing a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because it was an, it ended up being the princess um, who had pushed her down the stairs which is attempted murder, right? So she attempted to murder her in the past. And the equivalent character is the princess. um, I forget her name, but the princess in Scarlet Heart Rio, the Korean version, she doesn't attempt murder in episode one on IU's character, right? Like she's just catty and mean and bratty and like, you hate her, but not because she's actually committing crimes against her, right? So the stakes automatically were way higher in the C drama, and you get that there's a darkness there versus the K drama where there's very little darkness in the front half of the show. So again, a little more even. Well, I also like that, you know, the the sort of the, I guess, the villainess or one of the villainesses in the Chinese drama is not a sister to all of the princes. Like it's, 
actually his other wife, right? And then her sister. So, like, it's really odd to watch, you know, like, Scarlet Heart Rio when, like, all these princes are, like, boners out for, like, their half-sister. This is disgusting, and I guess we should talk about it now, is that... What the fuck is going on with the incest in this show? Like, what the fuck is actually going on that we we're just expected to accept that every single prince has, like you said, boner out for their sister, their half sister. In many cases, it's just their half sister. But again, that is not okay. It is disgusting. And the fact that nobody ever says anything to point this out, right? Like, that's your sister, you shouldn't be having these conversations. You shouldn't be coming on strong to your sister. You shouldn't be trying to marry your sister or like get with her in any way, shape or form. That's disgusting. That's depraved. And we just like, it's just out there in, in Scarlet Heart Rio and nobody talks about it. It's bizarre. It's nasty. Yeah, and I mean, like, that the one prince who looks like he wandered off the set of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. What's up with the guy liner? He's the villain. (laughs) What is up with the guy liner on Wang Yo? That prince, third prince, I think it was. What is up with him? He's just like, he's like, yeah, somebody get the stylist for Johnny Depp onto this set (laughs) so that we can, everybody can know that he's the bad fellow of the, of the drama. And I think that what, you know, but like, it's really interesting, I think, how like, all the villains are all really like, deep into incest. Yes. Right? So like, that guy, he's always after um, Princess Yanhua. Uh, she's a villain. And she's all like, just like, you know, always after so. Like, she's just on him constantly, like, just, like, had a crush on him all the time. And, like, her other brothers, like, know about it. They're like, well, haven't you always had a thing for so? You know, it's like, like, yeah, like, your half-brother. And then, but, like, I think the most obvious one is, like, the queen, who is just, like, let's just talk about how freaking hot she is in, like, virtually every scene but like is always inviting so to come and visit her like when she's like bathing (laughs) you know and it's just like constantly trying to seduce him like but also like 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 um like exile him from her life like so it's this weird like nasty push and pull (laughs) i don't like i can't subscribe to it like that she's (laughs) Like, trying to seduce her own son. But I will say that she's just so out of pocket. Like, the whole show, she's just out of pocket. And she hates her son for literally no reason. There is no reason for her hate. She's the one that, uh, like, scarred him, like, injured him, abandoned him, and then absolutely loathes him. And there is no reason. Like, there is... I'm, like searching reading the tea leaves on this trying to figure out like why she hates him so much and there's literally no reason i mean i guess you could say it's like that you know like he represents the guilt she had like all of the developmental violence she imposed on him i guess by sending him away but like you know yeah i think she's just you know her brain is just like polluted like all of the water that they are like 
taking baths in and that she's constantly inviting her sons to join her in a conversation while she's in there. <laughs> well, the third prince, the guy liner dude, definitely joins her. It's just, it's weird. It's, and no one talks about it. No one's addressing this. It's just, ha- just here it is, like on a platter, incest. <laughs> and I, I can't wrap my head around it. I really can't. Yeah, it's all, it's almost like a checkbox for villainy. Like, oh, you know, true. checked. <laughs> and then they just go right by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to just IU's introduction, she's so pathetic in episode one like honestly she's sitting on the dock in this public park in this mountainous area and she's drinking soju by herself in the middle of the fucking day and she's lamenting that her boyfriend cheated on her he left her with all this debt blah 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 she's telling and not showing and she starts drinking with the homeless guy it turns out to be the astrologer in the past which we can get to later and honestly she is so pathetic compared to the C-drama version of that character who is like fighting in the street with her boyfriend and is like very animated and uh, not aggressive, but like she stands up for herself. And Ayu feels like she's not that very much in the show, and especially with that introduction. And then like these little logic things, like she's she goes jumps in the water to save this kid who fell in the the water. The kid had a life jacket on, so I don't even know like why she was so urgently going to swim over to him and pick him up because he was going to be fine. And then she gets dragged under. It's like a different premise, I guess, because the moon has nothing to do with why the sea drama female lead ended up in the past, right? I wish it was more cut and dry, like the sea drama versus the moon mysteriously. That was there an eclipse? Why did the eclipse only take her? Like it was like she wasn't dying or drowning when the eclipse started. It was like suddenly she gets dragged under, and you, again you don't hear mm-hmm. anything about oh she just landed in her reincarnated, the, the past version of her. Anything, honestly, it's so half-baked they were just like oh yeah here she is she's in the past and i and i wondered about like about you know her connection with that sort of homeless man slash astrologer like and like remember how they talk about like he um he almost drowned as a child yes and then she jumps in after this drowning child and and like what that connection sort of was in that sort of moment as well but yeah i mean i think she is introduced as kind of like a sad sack in like the modern world. And then she's kind of, you know, like just somebody who's very, very confused when she gets to, you know, the historical era that she finds herself in. And then soon sort of recovers, like like you said, gets over the fish out of water very easily and kind of reverts to this like sort of plucky, sweet, bright soul that everybody is... In, in love with probably because she doesn't have much of a personality and is so generic. Right. Right. That's my thing too. You hit the nail on the head that she's just so generic. She's just so generic. And of course, every prince falls in love with her. She sings, which of course 
anybody who hears I use things gonna fall in love with I use. So it was just annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. Mm-hmm. And the fourth prince, Wang So, like he just felt like this emo teenager with a phantom of the opera mask. And I distinctly remember thinking that I can't wait for them to take off the mask because I want to see how bad his face looks underneath. They finally take off the mask and the scar is not even that bad. <laughs> like it's so No, like it just makes him hotter. Yeah, like it just makes him hotter. Like it's not even a thing. And she easily cooks up some cosmetics for him, custom blends, and applies it to his face. And the rest of the show, you never see the scar again. It's non-issue. Yeah. I was like, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And the C-drama Fourth Prince does not have a scar. There is nothing having to do with this like scar on his face that's made him a social outcast and a pariah and all the rest. Like, It's so stupid that they added this to the K-drama. Well, and then to bookend his scar with her scar, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like at the end, right? So like, it's like putting the scar back into Scarlet Heart. Like I'm telling you... These directors, these producers really believed <laughs> that they were onto something like magnificent. And I mean, there, it is like on paper that is clever to put the scar back in Scarlet Heart. But like, is it though? <laughs> Did it come out that way? I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. There's so many problems, but um, <laughs> let's talk about the first relationship that she has, which is. Her and Wang Wook, which is the eighth prince, and that's Kang Hanol's character. Because she has this, like, first of all, that's her first cousin's husband that she's crushing on. It was way more dramatic in the C-drama because that was her blood sister's husband instead of, like, first cousin. Like, I don't know why they thought to even do that, like, separate it even more. Because they were going so fucking hard on the incest in the royal family, and then they didn't, like, like, tie the the um sisterhood together for her and the i think her name was like myungsu i couldn't understand that at all like why that difference <laughs> but, yeah i mean i think there's a lot of moralizing in this drama like there's a lot of morality that sort of has to be kept in check that that wasn't in check in- no but i appreciated it more because she felt some type of way yeah. about the prince and then the sister didn't care at all about the fourth prince. She didn't care at all about her husband and she was the second wife, not the first wife. So like she was already mm-hmm. of a lesser standing within the household and there was no love there. So it was like less complicated and more complicated in the C drama in different ways. And the K drama was just so much lesser and bizarre. Like the changes didn't make sense to me. Um, did you like his first wife, like Myungsu, the first cousin or whatever? Because I remember her death scene very vividly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a very famous sort of, you know, death scene where she's like, you know, like on his back, the, 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 like close to their home, right? And she's just sort of sort of very devoted to him. And it's not like that in the Chinese drama. It's actually interested in you at all. Like she sort of blames him of, the, of he was killed um, following their marriage and so uh, yeah I mean but I really I do think Kang Hanul did a really good job yeah yeah I agree I think that I believe him that he fell in love with Hesu 
And I believe him that he had feelings for his wife that he didn't realize he had until after she died. So all those complex feelings I was buying into. And I love the scene where Hesu is following in his footsteps in the snow. That's also like a very famous Mm -hmm. scene in my head. And I remembered it vividly from when I watched it in 2016. So I was like excited to see that scene again of her and him in the snow. And then he catches her. She's like wobbles and almost falls over into the snow. It's all really good. Um, The the I guess the scene that everyone remembers is the one where Wang So helps her and covers her with his cloak in the rain. Mm-hmm. When she is advocating for Court Lady O for her life, because Court Lady O like took the blame for this like thing of poisoning the crown prince and this whole thing, and he stands over her and he basically takes her side in this very volatile protest that she's staging in front of the king's like court and. In, in juxtaposition, the eighth prince, Wang Wuk, like turns his back and like walks away. And I just love that scene. Even though I'm not big on the show, this scene is still so beautiful to me. And I don't know if you felt any type of way about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I mean, again, um, like, I, I, I like you feel like the um, romance between So and Sue are actually is really actually quite demented in a lot of ways like there's like some real sort of like a abusive uh behavior going on in it um and and I do think it was odd in that scene that like you know they're just like sort of standing there and like what comes out and then looks at her just to like <laughs> gawk at her and then turns around and leaves like it, it, there's a lot of that in this in this you know in this drama where it's like oh well we have to like you know, we have to show that, like, he's seen her or, like, we have to like, show that somebody has said something, you know, and it's usually the astrologer who just kind of comes in and sort of explains, like, what what they feel that the audience might not know. But, yeah, like, there's a lot of these, like, sort of little scenes where, like, you're wondering if that's sort of necessary. Did he have to come out and just see her? I don't know. No, yeah. If you break down the scene, you can break down the scene <laughs> and really poke holes in it because obviously not the, the all the princes didn't need to converge and watch her do this protest and Wang Wuk didn't need to show up he had already abandoned her like before that which is why she was tortured and why she went through that hardship because mm-hmm. he didn't like he chose sides he chose his family and his sister who had backed him into a corner and was in cahoots with the queen who's a bitch and like it was this whole thing where his family sort of betrayed him and then he had to take their side and couldn't save her. And like, it just culminates in this scene, which yes, it's super on the nose. No, he didn't need to turn his back very decidedly on her. We already got that. He was going to break up with her, that the relationship was over, but it was, it was just the romance of the scene that I liked. And by romance, I mean, like, the staging. I don't necessarily mean, like, oh, it's so romantic that, like, Wang So came out of nowhere and, like, shielded her from the rain. Like, that's not, like, that was fine. But that's not the romance that I'm talking about. I really just mean the cinematography and the way that they mm-hmm. are acting throughout the scene. It's, it's I'm buying in and it's good. 
Um, you mentioned the toxicity of the fourth prince. How do I put this without sounding like this man is a terror, but he is. And there's no way of getting around it. He's just like a problem. He slaughters a horse in episode one just to make the point that he's not going back like, right from where out he of came the from. Gate. Like right out of the gate, he just like murders a horse, murks a horse right in the in the like entryway of the palace. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like he's such a problem. He's so emo and uh, like he flies off the handle when she gets in the middle of this assassin situation that was like an episode three or something. They're in the woods. She sees something that she shouldn't. And one of the princes, I think the third prince, the guy liner prince orchestrated this assassination attempt on the crown prince. And they're all trying to go after the assassins and get more info. And she like breaks up the party. She's where she's not supposed to be. And she gets taken hostage by one of the assassins. Like, do you remember this? And he gets so mad at her he threatens to kill her right then. And like, it's like, that's not romance. Like, how does she, how does she fall in love with him actually? Because he's the person that's like he, him and the eighth prince, I should say, both treat her like an object. And he's saying oh, things sure. like, she belongs to me. Should I call you my person? And a lot of possession, or like tons of possession. If you're like, that's your trope. If that's your, like your toxic, um, guilty pleasure, like, oh, I love when they say shit like that. Like, oh, you're mine. You can't be with anybody else. Well, like that possessions, possessive jealousy shit. Like that's all that the fourth prince does. Literally, that's everything that he does. And it's, it's, it gets to a point where I'm like, this is too much. And I hate it. And I don't want them to be together. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're both sort of, right? Like, I think on one hand, he's like, I am this, yeah, like, I'm doing all of this murdering and, like, maiming and stuff. But, like, I'm nice to you. So, like, that means I'm a good person, right? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and, and on the reverse, she's like, I can change him. Like, yes. he won't be this sort of bloody bandit. And, like, I, like, it is this sort of real, like, sort of, like I can change a narrative that is obviously, you know, completely misguided and, you know, results in, you know, and a great deal of suffering and pain for like basically everyone who comes in contact with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> what, what the hell was she thinking? Cause she literally says to herself, Oh, I can change him and I can change history. Like what kind of demented woman is going to sit there and be like, I'm going to fall in love with this problematic prince that I know historically from my memory of eighth grade history that he murders all of his brothers and is a fucking problem. I'm going to fall in love with that guy and I'm going to change him. Like, who do you think you are? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's delusional as well. And <laughs> the fact that the the show even put in there Court Lady O's story, right? Because she becomes, Hesu Ayu's character becomes a um, court, what is it called? A court lady. And she is underneath Court Lady O, who's like this stern upper um, court lady. Like a managerial <laughs> position. 
And she teaches her all of these ways. But Core Lady O has this tragic backstory where she was also a favored concubine of the king because they had fallen in love before he was the king and then he became king and she was like still with him, still in love with him. She miscarried their baby because the queen made her miscarry, like sent her poison tea and she miscarried their child. And she's basically like warning Hesu the entire time that she's on screen you need to get out of the palace. This is a dangerous situation. These boys are not going to back you. They're not going to support you. They're all selfish pricks. And you need to get out. Heed my story. Like, look at how it turned out for me. Don't be like me. And Hesu still doesn't. Still doesn't leave. Still doesn't heed Court Lady O's warning. Still doesn't learn from her mistakes. And the exact same thing happens to her. Like, she dies. And it's this stupid ass warning that probably doesn't need to be in there because I think we're all adults and we can get like this is a volatile situation and she probably should just get out but even with that like this stupid girl still doesn't leave and get out (laughs) yeah and I mean I think that like it's just it's really really sort of confusing like what she thinks the end game is going to be right and and it and it is and it is this like it is really just i guess like marrying and like you know trying on like the like the wedding dress even though she knows she's never gonna marry him like you know and like staring herself staring at herself in the reflection like you know it's just like i'm not really sure you know what she thought she was gonna do or how she was gonna do it Mm -hmm. i guess is what i mean there's a point in episode eight where she saves him from all this vitriol from the peasants outside the palace because he's picked for this rain ritual. And because he has this scar, the entire populace hates him. But she fixes it with a little bit of um, 980 makeup. And um, he walks out. The whole thing goes well. It starts raining. Everyone's happy. But he he asks her in that same episode if she's given any thought to her purpose in life, why she was born. And I was like, where is this coming from? This fourth prince is super toxic. He has all these issues and she feels bad for him. It's been pity so far. Pity that she's dealing with him and she sort of understands that he's unwanted and whatever. And she like, I guess, relates. She says back to him that she's been contemplating it lately, but there is no answer. This is her quote. I wasn't born like this because I wanted to be. I am the one who determines how I live. I can live a very cool life or I can live a sad one. I just don't want to live a life being controlled by others. That's what I've decided. No one in this world has an easy life. You just don't notice them. Everyone has a hard life. And I'm like, this is a wonderful thing to say, but I don't believe her for a minute that she was contemplating her place in the universe and the her purpose in life and why she was born and why she's suddenly back in the past and what's her purpose is here like bullshit you know what i'm saying like what is this self-realization that she's having with the fourth prince who suddenly out of nowhere asks her what her purpose in life is and if she's thought about it i don't know if you thought the same thing at this point or if you had any thoughts about just how her character arc shakes out 
and if she's actually thinking through things in in a logical way being from the future (laughs) yeah i'm not really sure like she has like she has like sort of a solution to everything and i mean i think it's 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 almost less like i think what bothers me about the story and the character arc that you're talking about is 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 less like how how she's performing it like iu but or or even how that character is like being asked to sort of do certain things but it's it's how she's repeatedly blamed for everything that goes wrong and and how the story actually almost convinces us that she is also to blame right for everything that goes wrong and then she ends her arc basically apologizing to this monster for leaving him alone right and so i don't think she is thinking about like who who she is because all these people are telling her like you know like the the you know the the third prince is telling her that it's her fault that oh you covered up his scar and that's how i that's how i came to be this you know evil king or whatever the princess is coming and telling her like oh you know you said this to wook and you made him believe that so was going to take the throne and so like it's your fault that his whole personality changes and like you can understand that those are just villains like trying to rationalize like their bad behavior but the weird part is how the story actually make like turns on her yeah and makes her believe like like that she did all these things so i don't i think you're right i don't think she really is thinking about her place because the story doesn't really want to give her anything other than blame for like all these men's bad behavior and and women as well you have touched on something i think you nailed it because absolutely that's how the story and the writing wants you to feel by the end is that like she fucked it up It's all her fault that all these people went bad. And why does the character believe it? Like, okay, they're trying to sell us this narrative, but also the character Hesu deeply believes that she is at fault for all of these terrible acts that happened and the way that history shook out. And I think that's a problem. Like, does the story hate Hesu? Like, do the... do the showrunners hate Hesu then? This female character, like the lead. Do they just hate her because they think they want to pin it all on her? Yeah, like they give her a really unfair. It's unforgiving sort of. And the weird part is, is that like it really all stems on this scar, right? And 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 how she covers it up with like sort of these these makeup talents that she's brought with her to the past, uh, <laughs> uh, and. You know, but like, you know, you're seeing a human being like sort of walk down a, you know, a bustling, you know, Gorio street getting like shit thrown on him and like having this sort of devastating experience. Like most people would want to help somebody like that. Like, like they're saying like the, the, the cruelest things to him and like, you know, she's witnessing this and his disappointment and obviously his embarrassment. Is it really that bad that she would be like, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll help a brother out and like, you know, like see if we can, you know, like not get them to like throw shit on your face. <laughs> I, I see. I see what you're saying. Like you cannot blame her because she yeah. took pity on him. And of course, any, per- any person with a semblance of morality 
would want to be of help in that situation and like not have this traumatic thing happen to the fourth prince again. Like Wang So is at his wits end and yeah, he's gotten an unfair shake in his whole life and yeah, he's a murderer and yeah, he's problematic and toxic and he's like laying hands on her every chance he gets and threatening to kill her and telling him not telling her not to look at him in the face and stuff like he's so insecure and she just puts makeup on his face. Like it's very simple, right? She gives him the confidence that he needs to step out there and do this job. And for some reason from here on out, it is in her, in the story, it is her fault for everything bad that happens. And at that point, when she's putting the makeup on his face, she's, she's ready to get down with the eighth prince. Like she's just doing this as a sort of a friend. She doesn't know who he is. She's trying, at this point, she's still trying to put together who, you know, Huang Zhang, I think is his name. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the eventual. Like, she's still trying to figure out who he is. She doesn't know it's him. She only starts to get the flashbacks after the water ritual um, that he performs that she sort of helps him out. So, like, it's, it's like, it really isn't her problem <laughs> at all. It's she's never been her gonna... problem. <laughs> I mean, honestly. she's At this point, she's going to, sh- she's just going to shack up with this you know her dead cousin's husband (laughs) (laughs) yeah like she had she didn't have feelings for wong so at this point it is not romantically driven that she's doing this good deed and uh i just can't believe like you made such a fine point so i i mean we can talk about that for like for like the next 20 minutes but we'll move on i think the scar really annoyed me on the first time that i watched it because it <laughs> what i thought it was going to be like phantom of the opera level like scarring a truly heinous like crime that's been committed to and that he really does have to hide his face because it's a, a morbid sight and that was not the case and i mean just the fact that she is able to cover it up with makeup is like ridiculous to me with like the skills that she had she like made the makeup herself and like if i i, I feel like if you went into Sephora and got the best makeup artist in Sephora and sent them back to the year 900, <laughs> they had no idea. They would have no idea how to create pigments and colors and fucking soap, like rose soap and different things like that. That is what the story is telling us happened with her character because that's all she was. She was like a cosmetic counter girl. And yeah, like these little things of logic add up to me and it's really annoying. It's unbelievably annoying. It feels like the story thinks we're stupid and they're just like, they were like, oh yeah, she was just like a cosmetic counter girl and she like knows how to make cosmetics. Like, please give me a fucking break. <laughs> well, and are we, are we really like led to believe that like, you know, just random sort of citizens are like allowed to throw like excrement at a prince like during like a royal ritual like he's a member of like the like the royal family (laughs) like most of those people would have like you know gotten into a lot of you know literal hot water because they boiled people alive then and like if they were like sort of caught like sort of harassing a member of the royal family like it just it doesn't really make sense um 
and like what like from one day to the next they're like he's cursed he's cursed he's cursed and then the next day like, it's all covered up they're like he's he's our, our new leader like, <laughs> i he's the chosen one it makes the populace look really stupid and maybe it's a problem just generally with the show that <laughs> they're working mostly within the vacuum of the royal palace and whenever we're mm-hmm. outside the royal palace which is very few times it is stupid like it, it they did not put any effort into making the regular joe schmo that's on the street is not wearing silk the regular peasant low class person look like a competent logical person like they were just throwing shit at a prince and like there was no repercussions like he said and <laughs> i i honestly like that's what I mean by these logic things that just keep piling on and make the show lesser. And then she ends up being like, I can change <laughs> I can change these toxic men and save the future. And you're like, you're nobody. Like, you're not Indiana Jones here, okay? Like, you're not someone equipped to do this. And it, it makes me upset, but... He kisses her at the end of this episode that we're talking about, which is episode nine, because he goes, Wang So goes to find her after the rain ritual is all said and done. And she's in the middle of having a fucking panic attack because she saw this premonition, which we never get. We never know why she saw these premonitions. And if anybody else, the other time traveler presumably was the astrologer. And if the astrologer had premonitions ever, it was just like suddenly she just knows that this is Wang So is going to be the future king and he's the the villain so to speak of history and she's just in the middle of this panic attack and he ends up saying you are mine you are my person you are someone who can neither leave nor die without my permission and then he just plants one on her and you're telling me this is a romance like we we were berating the heirs for doing very similar things and suddenly because it's Ijungi, because it's in the past because all these trimmings i guess are really thrilling people that this version is okay like this version of a toxic male lead is okay and i don't believe that i still i don't agree with with that that people can bash one thing and like the same thing is done here and people are like oh my god this is the best k-drama of all time it's like what (laughs) well and i also think that like i agree with the sprinkling of magic when it's sort of so she like obviously there's some past in the first place there's some magic like it just kind of shows up when it's really convenient to like move the story along and it's like I, i like a little bit of magic okay you know like no one's no one's saying that there's no place for that but make it make sense right like don't just use it as like don't just use it as like oh well we don't know how else to sort of explain it and it feels weird to have the astrologer just come in and explain it again so we'll just have this you know like this sort of premonition or something i'm making faces over here like, like people can't see this but <laughs> i hate it i actually don't know i to be honest like in sort of what you were talking about in the earlier section not to sort of move beyond Heisu, but like when you talked about like, so that there's like two different dramas going on, I really do feel like they had two choices. Like they either hand off the second half to Wang So properly 
and like he know he is now the main character and Hesu is no longer you know the main character oh like that they actually give it to him i see and they make that transition properly which they didn't they just kind of neutered her um and made her like some sort of weird sidekick to him in his like or you could have kept her as the main character but made like established a better relationship between her and the astrologer and like who are you what are you doing here like how, what how much of the future do you know how much of the like like how much am i yep. supposed to know like what is it like to be like a time traveler since you and i are the only two who have <laughs> any sort of experience with that you know what i mean like like can we affect history what have you ever tried to get somewhere else like what do you know because i find it odd that 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 relationship which I think is so important, is sort of dropped mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when it the drama begins and ends with him. Yes. Or begins and ends with their relationship. And so I think that if you wanted to give her more to do and create a little bit more of a mystery or at least a better commentary around fate or choice, a free will or what have you, which I mm-hmm. think is like sort of what's going on here. Like that relationship would have been much more interesting to explore. And then you can have Wong So on the side dealing with his like, it's so hard to be a king sort of narrative. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, you know, or you just have to give it to him and you just got to let it like, it's just got to be his. 100%. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. Yes. 100%. Um, that was something that really frustrated me on first watch, that there wasn't this connection that she made with the astrologer. She just recognized him as this drinking partner out on the dock in episode one. And she goes up to him and is like, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. She asks all these like series of questions and he's just like, wink, wink, ha ha, he he, you need to behave. And that's it. That's all we get from them two together. He's just like, you need to like, simmer down and follow the rules here that's how you're gonna live and honestly what the fuck is that like because essentially they've introduced another time traveler he had this whole he said in front of the princess like oh i had this you know experience when i was five years old i drowned and died and came back to life and i saw the future basically and i saw like flying planes and he's basically the leonardo da vinci of korea over here because he had this experience and went to the future and saw airplanes and quanta cosa and we don't fucking return to that it is so frustrating to see these seeds that they planted not come to fruition and they didn't do anything with them they didn't have Hesu interact with the astrologer until the very last episode when she's back in the present day and he seems to recognize her what the fuck is that about yeah yeah what is that no, about he, he fully does yeah and and i mean can we just shout out kim sung sung kyun yeah. for a minute like i mean i do like he is i'm on record that he is like one of my favorites right i think that his his performance in dp is Oh, just oh. absolutely stellar and i'm so very upset that he's kind of been replaced um but uh uh i mean he's really good in this he's obviously a very competent actor mm-hmm. but even his performance is kind of uneven like he almost like he almost just really starts to like really peek out but he pulls back just in time that it doesn't get too bonkers like the rest of the drama and i think that i think that if he like he certainly could have handled a much bigger 
part than just like offering exposition, providing cautionary tales, or giving mm-hmm. like so pep talks about like you know f- feeling insecure about a scar. You know <laughs> he, he doesn't really get that much to do, despite the fact that he seems like such a seminal character as somebody who opens a. Mm. Yep, I got nothing to add to that either because yeah, I also just, I, I also just love him and I really hope that he gets like a drama like like I hope he has a career like Lee Sung Min where he just gets like a a missing thing. Oh, fair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely something for him um, because he's led dramas in ensemble pieces and he's mm-hmm. such a powerhouse. Like honestly. He is a veteran actor. He was better than a lot of the princess princes were acting throughout the show, and he didn't get much to do, period. They had this moment in episode 12, I think, where she says, I wish this were a dream. I wish I could wake up and not remember any of this. And I find that kind mm-hmm. of shit really annoying because it's not foreshadowing. It's literally what happened. I wish that like people knew like the better definition of foreshadowing, which is not just don't just tell me what happens later. And then when you rewatch whatever it is, like the movie, the TV show, you're like, oh, I should have known because they told us what happens. Foreshadowing is not that it's way more subtle than that. And I think it's cheap, like it's cheap writing to just have this have her say mm. this in episode 12. And then, of course, we're completely surprised that they make it all a dream at the end in episode 20. I th- I don't know how you felt about that. <laughs> but I'm upset. I just feel like I I feel like I was watching that show and I wanted to wake up from the nightmare <laughs> of bad acting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> But then you have uh, scenes like this, like the one in episode 12 where there's a time jump of like two years, because of course there is. And they have this reunion scene between Heso and Wangso, where she's like hanging up linens, white linen, and she sees Wangso, Wangso in between the white sheets that are blowing in the breeze. And then she like freezes and looks over again and he's not there anymore. So she's like, okay, great. I'm seeing things. But then she turns back he starts talking to her and then gives her a back hug and says that he misses her. And this is exactly what she wanted to hear because she had just reunited with the eighth prince and the eighth prince did not tell her that he missed her. And she asked specifically, like, did you miss me? And he said, yeah. And she's like, okay, that's enough. So like, that's like the, her baseline is like, if you haven't seen me for a long time, tell me that you missed me. <laughs> and, Wang So does this without obviously being prompted. Um, and he makes her feel wanted. And of course, all of these near-death experiences that she has, he's there for her and helps her. And that just sways her. That's why she starts liking him besides the whole pity factor that he's just had a hard life and she gets it. Although to be fair, she doesn't really have much choice. Like those other princes are real donkeys. Honestly, they're all various levels of unacceptable. Terrible. <laughs> Unacceptable. Undesirables. <laughs> yeah. Um, the dying king, so King Tejo, he says, he calls her in and he's dying. And he says, do not get so hung up on the future that you lose what you have now. But he figures out that she's special and probably knows the future. And I'm like, 
how? How the hell did he know that? He barely interacted with Hesu. And for some reason, he just defined that she's just like the astrologer. Who, again, she barely hangs out with. Barely has a word in. Well, I mean, she's being spied on by all of these different people, right? Like, you know, like Chehang, who is her lady in waiting or whatever. Mm -hmm, I don't know mm -hmm. what it's called in, in this. Like, she's spying on her. And then remember, like, you know, like the, like, Wang Luk's mother brings that book to Wang So to say, like, look, your girlfriend's a, like, a crazy person. <laughs> look, like, because she, she's written a diary in Hanguk, not in sort of yeah. like traditional Chinese writing right so like people are like oh like you know she's obviously like like she's obviously some weirdo from the future like dump her <laughs> she can't be queen I like that's your biggest problem <laughs> I can't it's like that she can't be queen I can't. like maybe she's a friggin alien like I don't know like they just don't seem that worked up other than like she can't be queen like how do you know this person isn't some like monster. Yeah, yeah. They can they make the jump to she's from the future real quick before just I mean, where's the witch hunt? You know what I'm saying? Like where's the like backward thinking of the year 923 that I'm expecting, right? The king is somehow very astute and is like, oh yeah, it seems like you're from the future. It's like, why did you think she was from the future? What has she done? That made you think she was from the future besides writing in Hangul and what expressing like views about freedom. Like that's it. That's all homegirl was doing. I just want one husband. <laughs> oh, that's, they're like, she's she's nuts. Right. Right. The I don't know. I don't I just want to skip to the end. What, what say you? Sure. OK, because. We get like this, it's like really messy. Like the third prince, he falls off a cliff. He comes back to life because he's fine. <laughs> and they put this yeah. mullet on him, the guy liner prince. He comes mm -hmm. back with this mullet. And yeah. I'm like, that's criminal. And he, he ends mm -hmm. up dying. Like there's a bunch of coups because King Tejo dies. The crown prince gets drowned after mercury poisoning. Then the third prince with the mullet and the guy liner comes and actually just goes crazy. And then finally it's Wang So's turn to be king. And I mean, he's quickly just deranged and he starts killing people off, people that oppose him in the court. He's killing off people's families. He's exiling Jung, which is Jisoo's character. He's like, what is he, like the 14th prince or something like that. And mm -hmm. for some reason, Hesu is blindsided by his behavior when he's on the throne. This leads to, you know, their separation. She wants to get out. She's finally like, I need to leave the palace. She has this illness that has suddenly become, come to the forefront. Like these palpitations and these panic attacks that she was happening having are now a full-on health crisis. And... It just goes downhill from there. That could be diagnosed with with the doctor taking her pulse. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes because like there's just okay, like I'm I, this is the least like there's so many things that just make no sense. Uh Baekhyun dies. That's a that's a whole death scene that I remember was that he's on the run for whatever reason. He's just being pursued by the guy liner. 
a prince who's now king and he dies with his wife and the wife was like finally getting in his good graces and he like finally cared about her and it was this whole thing um although sweetly sweet relief for the audience though because that performance by Baekhyun will go down in history as like literally like a low point for <laughs> like he'll never be cast again i don't think it's been what six years and he still hasn't been Seven. in anything <laughs> yeah that's so sad like when he had those puppets out when he had those puppets out, I just, I really felt like, you know, like, should I just give up on life now? Right. Because he was like trying to cheer up Hesu with like some puppets. Like, I don't know what, what in the Mr. Rogers was going on in this show? I, I have no idea. And then in like, even when you like, you like, and like, it just sort of snowballs. Like the, the, the bad performances just kind of start to snowball. Like at the end, okay, now that we're kind of getting closer to the end and we kind of know what happens, i.e. Sue dies, right? And, and you know, tragically, and it is very sad. But like when, you know, So comes to collect the <laughs> urn, you know, and he's obviously like sort of very distraught over the the death of her and then like jisoo and like um namji hook nam namji hook are just like talking like two wooden you know fence posts and while you know wong su just like spirals out around them like it like it really is like a, a like a, a a perverse watch it, it with those like those princely performances like yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just had to be on record. No, for, no, no. That's totally you know. fine because I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the there's so many red flags, right? Like after he becomes king and he spirals, even before she dies, mm-hmm. he's like telling her, "Oh, you have to get permission to talk to anybody, visit anybody." Red flag. Wang Su kills everything that everybody that opposes him and. He's just, he becomes king literally so easily. Like, there's no fighting. It's just comically easy for him to get the throne finally. His brother just keels over. We don't even know what was wrong with him. Um, And then he (laughs) marries his sister. (laughs) And um, somewhere in their soul. And his niece. And his niece. That was before. He married his niece, who was a child. And yep. then he marries his half sister, who becomes queen. And the servant dies. Cheryong dies. She gets beaten to death. The queen mother dies. That's a whole thing because Wang So jealously and spitefully takes care of her by himself and fulfills the vow that he made to her early on in the show that she'd only see him. So there's that. That's toxic. And, um, so, do you remember Solhyun, who was like the Gisang, who was doing the sword dance? How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it plays out my dreams every night. I am so sorry. I oh man, that was that killed me. Your response killed me. Solhyun kills herself to quell some unrest with her enslaved Bekje people because she's a princess of a of a conquered land, and. Nam Joo Hyuk's character, who I, this whole relationship that he had with her, I would have just cut it entirely out of the show if it was me. Because yeah. he, for some reason, had this fiery love for 
Myungsu, the cousin who died. Then he yep. fell in love with Sohyun, who was this slave, Kisang, and then she like kind of rose up the ranks. And there was this complicated relationship, which they never really, he like doesn't get it. And he said that after she died, he was like, I didn't really understand like why she was so conflicted and why she never really wanted to be with me. Because his people kill her people, her people kill his people. It was like this whole fucking mess. And he just like didn't care. He was like, I just want to be with you mess i would have cut that out completely but she dies uh becca which is and does she does she die to like does she like die to save his life is that what it is well that that she's it's unclear if she did it specifically to save his life because he was gonna go lead the army and he was an artist he had no military experience whatsoever he was just like gonna be a sitting duck out there with a sword and it looked like this is so badly explained but it looked like she had made a deal with Wang So, the king, to yeah. like had these articles of like um, pacification or something like that with Wang So for the Baekje people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she negotiated this without telling the king, Wang So, that she is the princess of this nation that they're trying to like pacify. Because he was like, I didn't know she was the, the princess of Bekche or whatever. And I'm like, how the fuck do you not know that she was the princess and the revered royalty of this conquered land? And all these slaves are trying to emancipate themselves. And she was like, she wanted rights for them. And I think that her death was just to... I don't even know why she killed herself, honestly. Like, it just didn't make sense. But like, this is the thing. Like, it almost seemed like a distraction so that they would be sad instead of mad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that so that Beck, Beck uh, wouldn't have to go out and fight them. Mm-hmm. And that they would stop, like, burning nobles' houses down, I guess. And then they so they would stop rebelling, essentially. And that, and they would just be sad instead of, like, mad. Which I think is so such a weak and, like, unceremonious ending to a one of the only female characters. <laughs> yes. That, like was supposed to, like, you know, be sort of important and, like, contribute to the story. You know, like, like for us to sort of be that, like, wonder, mm-hmm. what was her deal after watching 20 episodes of the show twice? <laughs> like, I really think that it's, like, problematic when, like, this is one of the only female characters. Yeah. And we just don't even know what she was supposed to do other than, like, sort of come in and, like, give Hesu messages once in a while. Like, what was she even doing in the palace? I don't get it. I don't know what her position was. And yeah, me neither. why would a slave rise up like this? I don't get like what his this? was. I'm just shaking yeah. my head. I, 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 I can't. Know. Anyway, long story short, Hesu dies after giving birth to the king's child in secret. And he's all cut up. He has this, like, crazy... When he picks up the urn, he's just, like, in a whirlwind of emotions. And the other two are just I kind guess. of, like... Mm, like I don't know. I can't even describe how they were acting. It just wasn't right. And that's it. Like, she gets catapulted back into her body in the present day. And she was like, oh, what a bad dream. So they made it seem like she drowned, was in a coma for a year, and then woke up and went back to her life, not knowing anything. Yeah, and she was having, like, these weird amorphous dreams about Wang So and glimpses of her experience back in Koreo and like that was it 
Yeah, it just like wakes up crying all the time. Yeah. I mean, her tale is one of tragedy. <laughs> For never was there a tale of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Exactly. Anyway, it was stupid. Everybody lost their minds. Everybody <laughs> lost their shit with this ending and the way that she just casually walks into this exhibit that seemed to be in the mall right where she worked at the cosmetic counter and remembers, suddenly remembers everything and all of the paintings that are on the wall are of specific moments that happened in her life back in Corral, does it make one fucking lick of sense? Like, who was painting these? Who was there to witness all these things and paint these scenes? It made no sense. And then she sees that portrait of Wang So in front of the palace and starts crying and saying, oh, I'm sorry I left you alone. (laughs) And he says uh, that he will find her. I think he says something to the effect that he's going to find her. Wherever you are, I will find you, my Hesu. And he never does. Like He never makes good on that promise. It's strongly implied that he is there in the present day and that he has some sort of reincarnation that's going to find Hesu on behalf of like his past self, the King Wangso. And that never happens. However, if you have gone on YouTube and looked up the alternate ending of Scarlet Heart Rio, you will see that there is a proper ending where he he is in the present time and he makes a connection with Hesu in the present day. And that is, I think, the ending that they should have gone with. That was the only ending that made sense to me and they didn't keep with it. I am not sure why. The C-drama Scarlet Heart does have a season two where it's all set in the present Mm. day. I hear it's not that great, but that's beside the point. The hint of that second season of the C-drama of that original story should have been left, I think, in Scarlet Heart Rio Moon Lovers. What say you? I mean, I am, you know, there like the ending was rotten. Like just, just really rotten and and it's not that like you know tragedy provides catharsis in a lot of different ways Mm. right like Mm -hmm. you know through justice or like hope or like whatever none of that was delivered so like this is a real tragedy that doesn't like allow the audience any catharsis which i'm actually kind of a fan of and i actually think that is actually pretty prominent in korean cultural production and something that a lot of korean directors and and writers are actually really good at like sometimes you do have just have to sit in a suck you know sometimes like just live up to any expect and so it's not even that 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 discipline it's just that like the rotten ending comes from the fact that they just thought this was un- <laughs> from the get-go and then it was always going to have a second season and so they made like a really unsatisfying fail and then a second season was coming mm. Mm. So that's not really, it's not really even playing with like the subversion of catharsis. It's just like, we're going to make more money with a second season. So we'll just throw some. I'm sorry to say. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I I can get behind that. I think that there's been talk amongst the the actors who 
Like there's certain interviews that IU has done with Lee Jun Gi where they're sort of surprised by the outpouring of love that the show has gotten, especially with overseas fans, right? With us in the U.S., with people in China, Malaysia, everywhere that the show did really well, besides Korea, they're just stunned by the the response that they've gotten and how famous it is overseas. And they've been asked multiple times, like, is there going to be a season two? And they're like, well, we're not opposed to doing a season two. The stars just basically have to align for everyone to come back together. Because like I said, everyone is leaps and bounds more famous, leaps and bounds more busy than they were in 2016. And it would be pretty difficult to herd all these cats again and do some sort of season two in the present day. And that's all. Unless you'd have to recast Jung. Then you'd have to recast people like Jisoo obviously has been canceled for his bullying scandal. Whether or not he did it, he's just been canceled in Korea. So he'd have to be recast. And there's a lot of things. Um, Obviously, Nam Ji Hyuk is in his military service right now. So he wouldn't even be able to do it this year or next year. And the list goes on. It is difficult to do a season two especially now after they have all found a measure of success and I'm not sure anyone wants to like these actors I mean would want to come back to this story considering how widely panned it was in Korea oh yeah so I don't blame them for just being diplomatic in their answers and saying oh yeah like we wouldn't mind coming back like we had so much fun on set we had such a great time making it we gave it everything we had but I mean, there's there's just, I don't think there'll ever be a season two, personally. As it is, IU single-handedly created Korean skincare and cosmetics, watched no less than like five people die personally, and <laughs> simultaneously affected history in the negative and reinvented King Wangso's historical image for the better. And lastly, she was just completely unconcerned about the whole ass baby she left behind in Creole. <laughs> that is not her concern at all when she sees the image of Wang So in the final scene. She's just like, I'm sorry I left you. It's like, you had a child. Where is your concern for the child that you had with this man as well? So lots of questions, very few answers, and... Quite honestly, one of the most ridiculous shows that I've seen get insanely popular outside of Korea. Um, I'm not sure if you had anything else to add. This would be the time, <laughs> Robin, to just let loose. No, I mean, I think that we probably hit points uh, that I was thinking this episode. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm unsure that anybody with the level would ever agree to be in of this, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate because despite like disdain for this drama and have so many questions about like its validity or um, reason for it be- becoming so famous, I really do want to see that second season. I really want to see these characters in like sort of a modern wow. like setting. Like I would love to see how they would play like I would love to see how they would play out and um like what kind of like would it be some sort of just like chable story or would it be like I, I just I would be curious as how mm-hmm. and also be interested in sitting widely panned 
silly <laughs> funny episode drama because I have time on my hands <laughs> for that. <laughs> okay, so on that note, um, I want to thank you, Robin, for coming on this show and for being really, really giving of your time and watching this 20 episode show again, one that we really sort of took as a joke and it made waves and is a very difficult to find we i watched this on drama cool it is nowhere on streaming and that's because i think the rights went down with the ship it was licensed to drama cool and then drama yeah, yeah, cool yeah. was bought out and so i think warner brothers bought bought drama fever and then sank it for a tax write-off and so i don't see warner brothers trying to put this k-drama up anywhere if they still retain the rights today it is not high priority to put this 2016 K drama anywhere, but if it does land somewhere, I will be the first to let you guys know if you guys want to watch it. But if you're okay with some pop-ups, uh, you can watch <laughs> Moon Lover, Scarlet Heart, Rio on Drama Cool. Uh, a lot of shows are on Drama Cool, tons of shows, but a little less than reputable, but it doesn't hurt in a pinch to watch stuff on Drama Cool. But Robin, um, we're at the end of this. Where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm. I don't have a huge online presence. I do have uh, my website, which is uh, sort of a randomly updated blog. <laughs> it's uh, www.com. Uh, you can find me Instagram at at x, I guess, which is. But I'm not a fan. Yeah, neither am I. Neither am I. So I don't. Don't find me on. Tw- don't talk to me on Twitter. Much. Talk to me on TikTok or Instagram. And please reach out to Robin if you have questions about moon lovers or just want to chat i think she's most active on instagram don't come talk to us on twitter like i said Mm -hmm. and um again this was fun but that's the end of season four of tebak we will be back when we are back so thank you for joining me robin and that's it that's been our show i'm jessica and this has been the tebak rambles podcast 